Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com. Thanks to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool. Get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Go to harrys.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Now, you probably don't keep count, and I must admit, I don't think I keep a completely accurate count. It might be completely accurate, but I'm going to say plus or minus three here. I think this might be our 100th Rule Breaker Investing podcast. Cue the sound effects. That's right. I think this might be, I think this is number 100. And no, I don't have a cavalcade of stars to present. Or and no, we're not just playing you some greatest hits moments and not doing any extra work this week and just playing old clips. Nope. I've decided since it's a graduating time of year, I have at least one child with a meaningful graduation this month. I thought, in celebration of number one hundred here in Rule Breaker Investing, why not go back to one of my favorite people, somebody you I hope enjoyed six months ago when I had Guy Kawasaki join us and give us his ten tips on entrepreneurism. Why not go back to the man who wrote a great graduation speech I read a few decades ago and check back in with him? A to go back over the points, and B, see if he still agrees with them. But I hope C, most of all, to educate, to amuse, and to enrich you, whether you are yourself a graduate this year or no one. I hope you'll enjoy this talk with Guy Kawasaki. Guy Kawasaki is an American marketing specialist. He's an author and a Silicon Valley venture capitalist. He was one of the Apple employees originally responsible for marketing their Macintosh computer line in 1984, he popularized the word evangelist in marketing the Macintosh and the concepts of evangelism, marketing, and technology. Kawasaki's also written a number of books, including The Art of Social Media and Database 101. Guy Kawasaki, what a pleasure it is to have you this week on Rule Breaker Investing. Uh, you flatter me. Thank you for having me back. You flatter us with your appearance. Thank you so much. And Guy, we're going to have some fun, because it's that graduation time of year. I mentioned this in my introduction. Lots of people are going to be attending ceremonies, hearing people say stuff about what they should think about the present and especially the future. And Guy, one of my favorite graduation talks that I've ever seen, I didn't even see this, because you gave it at Palo Alto High School on June 11th of 1995, if you remember that day or evening. I don't. <laughs> you don't? No problem. But, like a lot of your stuff, it's captured forever on the internet. So, you made 10 points to the graduating class of Palo Alto, and I'm sure, I know some of these are themes that run through your life, and probably some of your graduation speeches, because you've given many since then, but this is the first one I came across from you. I loved it. So, I want to ask you about the 10 points you make. We'll just do you know a minute or so on each point. Just hear your perspective. You might still agree with yourself. Um, what is it, 22 years ago now? Or you might disagree. I'm curious. You ready? Ready. All right. Thank you for playing the game. And here, let's start it with <laughs> so you had 10 points and you, you counted them down. So we're going to like number 10 is the first one. So 10 bits of advice. Number 10, live off your parents as long as possible. Yes. 
I've 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 come to regret that now that I have children <laughs> who are in high school and college. But conceptually, other than for my own kids, I still agree with that. It's because you're going to spend the rest of your life working. So I don't think uh, you should rush out into the workforce. And once you get in the workforce and you have a mortgage and then you have a dog and then you have a car and then you have family and spouse and pretty soon you, know, you can't take that backpacking trip or you can't go and you know surf in Bali anymore. And you know, you're, you're, you're just graduating high school or college right now. You're in the best years of your life. You should do everything you can to stretch that out because it's coming to an end. And I know you've gotten ribbed by parents giving that advice to their kids probably for a couple decades now. And now that you're a parent yourself, you can even rib yourself. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm, I'm, I'm eating my own words. <laughs> okay, well, I hope you can eat your own words on this next one because number nine is pursue joy, not happiness. Yes. Uh, I'm two for two right now. So the difference between joy and happiness is happiness is this, kind of ideal life where everything is perfect, perfect health, perfect income, perfect house, perfect spouse, perfect kids. And so you're, you know, have a high baseline of happiness. And I think that that's just not the real world. The real world is you have periods of great joy and great despair. And so you should be thinking about these moments of great joy and, and enjoying them for what they are, the temporary nature of it as opposed to thinking you can achieve a steady-state happiness. Hmm. And you mentioned, in fact, and I'm looking at the text of the speech, you talked about how joy is unpredictable. Very. Well, I, I, there, maybe that's wrong. Joy is somewhat predictable. It's going to come from directions you never anticipated. Hmm. That's, that's as predictable as joy will get. Yeah. Although I could make the case that if I had to bet on one single source of joy, the most likely source of joy, I think it will be your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not to draw this one out too much, but it's an important point, so I will. Um, I'm quoting this speech, a brief line or two. You said, your parents have a responsibility in this area. Don't force your kids to follow in your footsteps or live your dreams. My father was a senator in Hawaii. You said his dream was to be a lawyer, but he only had a high school education. He wanted me to be a lawyer. So for him, you said you went to law school, but for you, what did you do? For you, what did you do? I quit. <laughs> After two weeks? Like two weeks, yeah. You know, I, I, I figured it out right away. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a quick study. <laughs> all right, number eight. Number eight, and this is, this is probably my favorite of all ten. Love this one. Challenge the known and embrace the unknown. Yes. And most people they get hammered into the opposite, which is you, know, you brace what, embrace what's quote known and you fear and you, you uh, are afraid of the unknown. And really you should embrace the unknown because the unknown is where the excitement or the innovation happens. Um, and you should fear the known actually, because if you quote, you know it. And let's just say that America is in a state right now where Lots of people assume they know, quote-unquote, lots of things, uh, mm-hmm. despite science. Mm. So, uh, I, I think you should embrace the unknown and challenge the known. You're right, because it, it subverts our own natural inclination, at least for, 
for us as investors and as rule breakers, um, you know, the companies that that embrace the known and and will not challenge the unknown. That fear the unknown. Those are the companies that get disrupted. Those are often yeah. when we're buying stocks, we love the companies that are coming in because they are unknown and they're not being challenged. And all of a sudden, the world has changed, and we've got a new rule breaker on top. Yep, you're probably not using a Kodak or Polaroid camera, <laughs> Corona or Remington Rand typewriter right now, right? That's, that's right. And it it happens across all aspects of our lives. I mean, those are classic examples. We could have talked about Sony Betamax and all the long laundry list of things that have been disrupted. But um, it it really comes from not having that instinct. And usually, the yeah. fish rots from the head, right? So if the CEO or if the leaders if the leaders aren't doing it, then it's it's good. What do you think about Ford? Did you hear about Ford's announcement this week, changing up leadership? Yeah, I, I thought he and Donald Trump had fixed Ford, and they're bringing jobs back and. Closing down Mexican plants, you know, I, I guess uh, didn't quite work out, huh? Yeah. So, so yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting time, and that that is actually one of my stock recommendations, and it hasn't done so well. But um, you know, I'll keep fingers crossed that Ford can uh, can can pivot here because that's what they're looking to do. I think. Well, I, I'm a Mercedes-Benz brand ambassador, so I, I have you know somewhat of conflict here. But <laughs> I gotta say, man, the car business is a tough business. Wow, I thought computers were tough. Cars, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like. If your MacBook or if your Windows laptop crashes, you don't die. But when a car crashes, you can die. I mean, it's like a whole. And you know, in office environments, what's the worst thing that could happen? You drop your coffee on the keyboard. Yeah. Man, when you're Done in a car in the real world and it's hot and it's cold and it's raining and it's snowing and it's hailing and oh my God, the, what it takes to make a car is amazing. Yeah. What. To that end, Guy, what do you think of Tesla? And I know you're a Mercedes brand ambassador. <laughs> you got to respect Tesla. I mean, you know, they're delivering. And I mean, Elon Musk is the closest thing there is to Steve Jobs right now. Mm. High praise coming from you. Okay. Number seven. <laughs> Number seven, learn to speak a foreign language, play a musical instrument, and play non-contact sports. This is kind of my globalization theme, right? Mm-hmm. If you only speak English and you never visit foreign places and you only you know, do things to further your career, you're going to live a very unfulfilling life. I think that you know this is a big world and things like other countries, other languages, other religions, they broaden your experience. Um, a musical instrument that you can play for the rest of your life. And and I don't have that ability. I can't play any music, even though I was named after Guy Lombardo, Little Known Secret. Hmm. And when you're in high school, you think you want to be the high school football hero. But you can't play. Some people can play in college, but some of those people can play professional. But generally speaking, you know, the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel is... It's a, it's a rough ride. Yep. And on, on the other hand, there are sports like you know, or surfing or hockey or you know something you can play the rest of your life. Um, I, I think that those kind of sports, but uh, are more valuable over the course of your life. Of course, you know if you're six four and two hundred and fifty pounds and and you're being recruited for a D one school, I don't think you're going to listen to this and say, okay, I'll take up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I understand that, but uh, when you're 35, you may wish you had 
could play tennis. You bet. And I know since you told me that just before this interview, you just came in from the ocean where you make a point of surfing a few times a week. You're definitely, you're a guy who's living this. And I know you played football back in school. So you've, you've made that transition, even if you're not playing the piano today. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little nuts that way. So I took up hockey at 48, you know, having never skated before. Wow. So that was hard because 48 is not the ideal time to learn how to skate. <laughs> and then three months ago, I decided I would really learn how to surf. So I've, I've been surfing for three months. And, you know, I took up surfing at 62. Let's just say that that's not ideal either. Um, but you but, are following your own advice, which we love to hear, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I have kind of a OCD personality. So when I decide to do something, whether it's hockey or surfing or writing a book, I'm all in. I'm either all in or not in at all. There's no, I'm very binary. There's no shades of gray with me. It's so wonderful to think about, Guy, and really, again, revisiting, this is a speech that you gave at a graduation in 1995, so you were 40. So, would the 40-year-old Kawasaki have believed it if we were convincing him that eight years later he was going to be playing ice hockey? No. <laughs> not yeah. at all. Yeah. We surprised ourselves. <laughs> well, there's, well, and you know, I, I would not have believed it if you told me that over the course of your lifetime you'll write 13 or 14 books. I would have told you you're nuts. By the way, what is your favorite book of all the ones that you've written thus far? Gee, that's like saying you have 14 children, which is your favorite <laughs> child. Right? Yeah, but books don't have feelings. You're not going to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the one that you're reading. Okay. <laughs> How's that? That, that works <laughs> that's for the me. That's what I wrote. That works for me. Okay, point number okay. six. You said, and I know you're living this, point number six, continue to learn. Yes. Yes. I think many people believe that there's a time for learning high school, college, elementary school, intermediate school. And then once you're out of college or once you're out of high school, the learning stops and then you just, what, make money. Um, but truly the learning is a process. It's not an event. And I look at my career. I had to learn personal computers. I had to learn internet. I had to learn social media. Um, if I had stopped learning, well, mm. when I graduated from Stanford in 1979, let's just, excuse me, 1976, if you had stopped learning then, you know, I would still be, I don't know what, using a manual typewriter. Calculator, um, definitely. Remember those early calculators? Yeah. HP 35, baby. There it is. RPM. You'd still yeah. be there wondering what this whole internet would, thing's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No kidding. And I guess this is particularly apropos, given that, and I assume this is your perception as well, Guy, that here in 2017, the world is changing, progressing, advancing, maybe even sometimes going backwards at rates faster than any other time in our lives. So we, as adults of whatever age, we especially need to continue to learn. I would hope, yeah. And I, man, I just can't, I can't build a case where you shouldn't keep learning, you know? I mean, if nothing else, you might stave off Alzheimer's. So, uh, yeah. as far as all the reading I've done, you know, the two things you can do is keep learning new stuff and keep exercising. And that's about is it. That's about all you can do. Well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So. That's great. You're living it. What was your name again? <laughs>
Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. You'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. And you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. Thanks again to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast. All right. Well, speaking of learn, guy point number five, learn to like yourself or change yourself until you can like yourself. This is a, I think this is about kind of existentialism that that you have to learn to like yourself. If you hate yourself, if you can't forgive yourself, um, you'll just be miserable. Now, maybe some people are miserable, and so they need to change that before they can like themselves. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to do one of those two things, accept yourself for what you are and like it, or you know, change yourself and then like it. Yeah, well, Guy, now looking back on your first 62 years, was there a time in your life where you pivoted from the guy that was to the guy that was to be? Not, not in any sort of um, seismic, earth-shaking way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can, draw a, I can draw a curve from point A to point B. Not that everything was expected, because I, you know, I never expected to be in tech as much as I am. But it's not like you know, I got the religion one day and, and changed my life. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not because I did everything right. It's just I haven't had that kind of, um, you know, that's why my, no one's going to want uh, my autobiography because it's just not that interesting. I didn't, you know, I wasn't plucked from some village and put in a foreign country and have to survive on the street. I don't have that kind of uh, I understand. Maybe some of the time it's easier to see in other people than actually in ourselves. That's very true, yes. Yes. All right, number four. Number four, don't get married too soon. Yeah. I've I've never met anybody who got married too late. Do you? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not that I'm against marriage. Well, but. I'm kind of waiting for my brother Tom to get married. He's 48. Sorry, he's now 49. Well, yeah, really. So the clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, you know, marriage is a very serious commitment. It's definitely uh, it's something you only want to do once in your life, I guess. And... And it's challenging to make this work. And so, if if you get married too early, I think that you, know, you may not know who you are yet, um, and you may not have done everything you want to do because marriage involves sacrifice. So, you know, whenever whenever this point comes up, uh, you will probably see this in the comments that you know people are going to say, "I married my high school sweetheart at 17, and I'm now 65." And, we are the happiest people in the world, so, you know, guy, you're wrong. Well, I mean, okay, but, uh, I, I, you know, this is like saying, uh, you know, 
people say that smoking cigarettes causes lung cancer, and I've been smoking a pack a day for 60 years, and I don't have lung cancer. Right. Well, that doesn't mean you should tell everybody to smoke a pack a day, right? right? Yeah, so, so it's all relative, and what works for you may well be what not works for me. And my yeah. brother Tom seems to be a pretty happy guy at 49. We do think at some point he will get there to the, to the altar, as it were. But if he doesn't, yeah. it wasn't meant to be, and he's leading a pretty satisfying life. So each of us has, I guess, a different calling here. Yep. Thanks to Harry's for supporting our podcast. You know, Harry's was started by a couple of guys who thought you and I could have a more convenient and pleasant shave thanks to a new model. It's the subscription model. It's using Harry's online. It's finding, in this case, a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. And I have to say, since Harry's has been sponsoring Motley Fool podcasts over the last year, I've become a fan. I enjoy my Harry's shave. So, what we're talking about here is a free trial offer. Harry's is so confident you'll love their blades. They're giving you this trial set for free. You just pay three bucks the shipping. They send you all the the rest of the stuff for free. So stop messing around and get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial offer. Again, that's a $13 value for free. Just cover the shipping to get that free trial set. The razor handle, the five-blade cartridge, the shave gel. Go to harrys.com slash fool right now. That's harrys.com slash fool. All right. We're down to your top three. Here we go. Number three, play to win and win to play. So this is, this is about risk. So play to win means that you know, you're not playing just to show up, that you're, you have a higher goal. Um, and, and then you know, if you do win, then you have a responsibility to risk it again, to help others. So you need to... Uh, once you win, you win to play. Play with more challenges, help other people play. Uh, so it's kind of a moral obligation to go for it and mm. then help other people go for it and continue to go for it, not just sit around. Yeah, in fact, you closed that point with this line. It was, you wrote or spoke that day, ultimately, I quote, ultimately, your greatest competition is yourself. Yes. So this means that in one sense, you're competing with yourself because you have to set and exceed expectations. So that's you know one way. Another way of looking at it is that externals, parents, colleagues, teachers, whatever, coaches, they may set a standard that's too low for you, so you should compete with yourself to a higher standard. They may also set expectations too high for you, and that's not achievable. And so you should, again, you know, the, the compass, the moral anchor is your expectations. Mm-hmm. Your expectations. You know, um, uh, another friend of the fool, uh, David Allen of Getting Things Done fame, yep. um, says, and I've always loved this line from David, the better you get, the better you'd better get. And it's the same kind of a... A concept, which I like a lot. The only problem with that is, at a certain point, it feels like, doesn't it all just unravel as you just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And maybe that's when we choose to retire or move on. (laughs) That's true. That's when you should take up surfing. (laughs) Okay. Number two, 
Obey the absolutes. What do you mean by that? I think as uh, you get older, you start doing things relatively. So, you know, I don't cheat as much as some other people at the office, or I don't steal as much from the company, or, you know, something like that. Mm. And, and so what was black and white, as a kid, you know, when you're black and white, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't whatever, right? There's no like, okay, you can cheat a little bit because everybody else is cheating. Right. Um, there's the honor code. And then as you get older and older, it's kind of like, uh, you can get away with it. And so I think that's wrong, that, you know, there should always be an honor code, that right is right and wrong is wrong. And it's not relative and it doesn't degrade. You know, it's interesting. I I think sometimes about, and I, I completely agree with you. So for me and the culture in which I was raised, I am 100% there. And of course, I'm a faulty human and I've done all kinds of bad things, but I, I at least knew what the right thing to do was, even if I chose at the mm-hmm. time, or mistakenly or not, to to not go that way. But I wonder sometimes about, because we do have a lot of international listeners listening to Rule Breaker Investing, and I'm wondering about those cultures where things like bribery are just like the norm. It's interesting when moral compasses yeah. at, at a cultural level are just set differently from the absolute rights and wrongs that you and I yeah. think of. Uh, that is a good question. Um, I I live in this bubble called the United States, right? And I live in this bubble in the United States bubble called Silicon Valley. So some of it is pragmatism, right? I mean, I'll tell you that I carry a lot of cash with me when I travel internationally because I don't, you know, someday I may have to pay somebody to like get through a passport or I don't know what, right? Right. And, and, you know, am I going to like stand on my principles and say, no, you know, you know, I'm going (laughs) to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, get through that zone or do what I have to do to survive, right? I think one thing that's nice, and we probably take for granted in the United States, and maybe in our individual bubbles, maybe this is true in Silicon Valley, is we. Um, the good news is that we've kind of reached the point in American history or society. I, I like to think this. I am, admittedly, an idealist. I think we've reached the point where being transparent and being transparently good or transparently bad. Is just more evident, and so playing according to Hoyle and observing the absolute rights and wrongs are in fact rewarded today in our mm-hmm. country, probably at much better than other countries or other points in our own history. Certainly not true, and I don't mean to overstate this point, but I think we kind of we're in a situation where you are rewarded for doing the right thing. Are we though? I mean, you know, coming back to politics, you're telling me that you believe this. <laughs> We've elected the person who's properly being rewarded for doing the right thing. Well, I think politics is its own thing, and I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> right now, actually, I'm reading a book called Shattered, which is about the Hillary Clinton campaign. And whatever side you were on there, it 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 doesn't look very pretty underneath. Just seeing what it takes to succeed, I think, in that realm. But at least in realms that I'm more comfortable and familiar with, I do feel like transparency is generally rewarded, and I do think merit wins out more often than not. But again, it might be a Pollyanna comment. Look, I agree. I mean, I'm living that that theory. You know, ultimately, when you meet your maker, (laughs) that's when the reckoning happens, right? There you go. We'll see. There you go. All right. Well, and I know when that happens, you want to be able to feel good about your number one point because this is the closer. Your number one bit of advice, enjoy your family and friends before they're gone. 
That's right. Because when all the cars and houses and all the other bullshit's gone, it's your family, really. It's your family and your friends. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. I I would love a fast car. So, okay. <laughs> but. I mean, I'm uh, assuming you're just driving any Mercedes-Benz you want any time. That's how I hear it. Well, yeah, it's kind of true, <laughs> I guess, right now. But this, this brand ambassadorship thing is a recent thing. So uh, I, I'm just trying to make the point that um, I think at the end of your life, what will have brought you joy, uh, the greatest joy, is your friends and family. It's not going to be the material things. I love a good surfboard. Don't get me wrong. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, looking back, Guy, did, did it always... did 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 parting with family and friends, um, did it always go well with you? Did you have any experience where there was something sudden happened and you never got to say something? Well, I thought you said, uh, did partying with your friends and family always go well? <laughs> you said parting. <laughs> I did say parting, but partying, you could go that direction if you want to take the question that way as well. <laughs> this is rule breaker uh, investing I, after I all. Think- uh, both of my parents have have passed on, and of course, you look back, you say, "Wow, why didn't I do this?" Um, but I don't have any aching regrets hmm. that I said, "Why, well, you know, I really blew it there." Um, and it's not because I've lived a perfect life. I just, you know, I don't have that. I don't. I don't have that great drama story for you. I'm not on Oprah. Okay, I'm on. I'm on the <laughs> full radio show. What can I say? <laughs> there you go. You absolutely are. You are reminding me, though, of somebody else who's been on our radio shows in the past. That's Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon. And he described himself, and I don't know if he'd still say this today, but he he was using the phrase regret minimization framework, the framework that he operates (laughs) off of, where he does, or he encourages us. This is probably his graduation speech. He's probably gone back and spoken at his alma mater, Princeton, at some point. But, you know, ask yourself, when I'm 80 years old, looking back to right now, this moment, what can I do right now that will minimize the regret that I feel when I'm yeah. 80 years old? And it might be that you need to do something, or you specifically should not do that thing. Whatever it is, minimize regret. It sounds like you've done a pretty good job with that yourself. I, 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 I've never heard that test before, but I think so. Um, no, I regret quitting, quitting Apple twice. <laughs> Fair. But, yeah, I don't regret... I don't regret much. Do you regret your Mercedes-Benz ambassadorship? <laughs> no. I don't regret taking up surfing. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry to be so focused on Mercedes-Benz, <laughs> but how, how does somebody even land that job, Guy? Like, does somebody just call you up and say, hey? Well, it's, it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> well, in my case, because you know, the other Mercedes-Benz brand ambassadors are like Garrett McNamara, you know, the, the greatest big wave surfer that's currently around wow. surfing, right? Although Jeff Clark, who discovered Mavericks, he's right up there, too. And he's around. He's a friend. He drives a Mercedes, too, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, there's Gary McNamara, there's Roger Federer, there's, like, the world's greatest explorer, mm. opera singer. You know, you got all these people who have these, like, great stuff. And then there's me. Yeah, and the so, Apple evangelist, among many other roles yeah, in his life. But, yeah. So, Somehow I convinced them that I'm the Garrett McNamara of evangelism. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I wasn't going to argue. Well, Guy, thank you so much for joining me this week on Rule Breaker Investing. It's been a pleasure to go through that list with the man himself. I think I probably encountered that somewhere on the internet about 20 years ago or so, and I thought, wow, these I, lo- I love this speech. Would have loved to have heard this at my own graduation. So my hope is that, <laughs> that some others have enjoyed it. Maybe you influenced some graduates this month as well. Thank you. I hope so. 
Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed Guy's wisdom. I always do. And that was a a pleasure to feature here on number 100. And just reflecting briefly back on that point number eight, which I said was my favorite, challenge the known, embrace the unknown. The reason that, in part, that that's my favorite is because when giving a speech myself, some years after Guy gave that speech, I quoted him. I quoted this point of his one night when I was speaking to high school graduates. And it's not so much that I did that, that I remember, but it was this humorous thing that happened that night in that speech. It has nothing to do with Guy Kawasaki, but I hope you'll appreciate the anecdote. Anyway, so I'm getting ready to give this talk. I kind of have my points down. And I'm going to be speaking in front of about 100 high school graduates. I think it was related to a church or other civic group that night couple decades ago now for me. But I noticed the name tags on the hosting parents for that event. And one was named Rich, and his wife was named Mary. Now, if you're like me, occasionally you'll notice funny relationships between things. I actually spend an inordinate amount of time, I realized the other day, driving, looking at other people's license plates and the math on their license plates, and just seeing how numbers relate to each other. Like, if I see a license plate that reads 339, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting, because 3 times 3 is 9. And I actually just do that with license plates. I don't know if you're weird like me, if you ever do that. But I was doing that that night with their name tags. And I thought, you know, here's the thing. If nobody likes my speech, or if my points aren't really good, I can at least come up with this humorous ending. So I decide, because one of them is named Mary and the other is named Rich, that my joke is going to be, hey, if you didn't believe high school graduates, anything else I said tonight, I can at least give you this bit of advice. If nothing else I said works, you can try this. And the joke was, I'll have Mary stand up and say, and I'll say, what's your name? And she'll say, Mary. And I'll say to Rich, what's your name, husband? And he'll say, Rich. And it's Mary Rich, which to me is a humorous ending to the speech. And indeed, it worked out almost perfectly that night. I gave my talk, which I do think was well-received, and in part because I was quoting Guy Kawasaki, and then I decided to close with my funny ending. And I said, so if you don't believe in anything else I said tonight, I have two words of advice. Sir, ma'am, if you'd please stand up and just say your first name. Mary stands up and she goes, Mary. Rich stands up and he says, Richard. Mary Richard. It really didn't make any sense, and it, it it failed. So sometimes, yes, joy can be unpredictable. Thanks for listening to our 100th episode of Rule Breaker Investing. I look forward to checking in with you next week. Yep, next week is the final week of the month. That means it's May mailbag. So, get us your mailbag items. rbi at fool.com is the email address. Or, of course, you can always tweet us out at RBI Podcast. And I should mention, in closing, that you can check out past episodes of this and all of The Motley Fool's podcasts at our podcast center. Just go to podcasts.fool.com. And while you're there, you can check out our flagship service. That's Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Pretty outstanding track record that my brother Tom and I have compiled over the course of the last 15 years or so, picking a stock every month one from each brother, two new stock recommendations. You can check it out by going to the Podcast Center, scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see Stock Advisor there, podcasts.fool.com. 
As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.